Red Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this early week edition of the podcast. We are downloaded in over 30 countries across the globe and available on every major media platform. For everyone listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show if you have not already. Nothing you do will help us more immensely. And a special thank you to the exactly 183 people who have done so thus far. We do appreciate it. And a quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When the Red Sox are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, Let's get rolling. The Red Sox just wrapped up a four-game set against the Baltimore Orioles, winning the series three games to one. They are currently in the lead atop the American League East, three games ahead of the New York Yankees. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Lewiston, Maine. You can harass me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can also find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. I am joined tonight from the city of Westwood, Massachusetts by Jason Kelly. Jason, how are you? I'm good. Um, I'm not used to Monday night podcasts. This, these four-game series throw me off, so not we, used to this, but we'll, we'll adjust. We'll be all right. Yeah, there's one more left, I think, and it's in the month of June. I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, we don't have many. So second half, it'll be all Sundays. So yeah, I have Tuesday mornings off, so it's a it's a very merciful thing for me. I get oh, lucky you two yeah. and a half to three hours <laughs> sleep on on uh, Sunday nights uh, when we record. So Jason, though, I got to ask yeah. you because this is right up your alley. Yeah. This is your area of expertise, being a big aficionado of The Bachelor. Um. <laughs> Okay. Alex Rodriguez got dumped by Jennifer Lopez. He did. And she she joined Team Aflac, and they are a thing again. So she went from Yankees to Red Sox, and I tweeted out on the podcast account, she switched from, from Rodriguez to Aflac quicker than Damon switched from the Red Sox to the Yankees. It was quick. So wh- what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's crazy. So when you tweeted that, it, it came through on my phone, and I was like, wait, that can't be true. She's already dating Ben Affleck. And I guess, yeah, there are reports out there that she's with uh, Ben Affleck now. And you know what? Good for him because he was just in the news like a couple of days ago of like he matched with someone on a dating app, and they didn't think that it was actually him. So they just sort of blocked him and ignored it. And he had to end up like messing with the back. Like, no, it's really me. I'm really Ben Affleck. Like, why'd you block me? Um, So to go from that to you get Jennifer Lopez dating you, I mean, good for him. I, you know, Ben Affleck is uh, he's he's living the dream right now. And A-Rod kind of looks like a fool, I guess. So 
I'm still not exactly sure all the details of like their breakup. Some people said that he cheated on her. Some people said she cheated on him. I don't know. Um, but as far as I know, A-Rod is still single and still A-Rod, which sucks. And Jennifer Lopez is moving on. So good for her. Yeah, why not? All A-Rod does is lose, you know, so. Seriously, yeah. Also joining us tonight, who I'm sure will have thoughts on this, uh, from the city of Providence, Rhode Island, Charlie Smith. How are you, Charlie? I am doing great. I am so sad that I was muted for that exchange because I was dying for a straight (laughs) minute as soon as the question was asked. I was like, oh, this is definitely up Jason's alley. But uh, yeah, doing great. You know, no complaints. Good, good. See, I think it was I think it was a Rod that was kind of you know screwing around and yeah, because he he seemed to be the one like when the drama surfaced a couple months ago, he seemed to be the one trying to quell it, you know, and and oh we're together and and she played along. But if I'm right, and, and it was Rodriguez that was messing around. What would J-Lo expect? I mean, A-Rod's been a cheater in every aspect of his life. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. was she going to change him? I, I I, don't think so. No, here's the thing. No. I think she, J-Lo is J-Lo. I mean, she's just looking for love. I don't blame her for it. It just sucks that A-Rod messed up yet again. Like, he cheats in baseball. He cheats on women. He cheated on... Madonna, he cheated on his wife, who he has kids with. I mean, if I'm his kids right now, when I'm older, I'm embarrassed to say he's my dad. Like, yeah, he's my dad, and I'm going to have a pretty sweet life. But I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed that my dad can't keep it in his pants. Yeah, and it just goes along with the string of bad decisions, because you cheat on J-Lo, and then you buy into the Minnesota Timberwolves. (laughs) <laughs> because you're going to turn them around and make them a successful. And like, what's he doing? Does he not understand? That? Like, nobody cares about morality here. About the Timberwolves. Like, what? Yeah. I, he, I wants, he, he so badly wants to be Jeter, and he never will be. Yeah. That's Why a... would you ever want to be Jeter? Jeter's the, Jeter's the dude that slept with the same girl twice, didn't, and he didn't even know he did it, sent her with a goodie bag twice and she wrote about it <laughs> jeter's but, just as much a piece of garbage as a rod is but do you not ever more so do you ever hear anyone in new york bad talking jeter they they that love that girl got sent home with two goodie bags two separate <laughs> nights, and he didn't even know who cares he's Derek jeter is a dumbass okay he's okay a, he's mr yankee <laughs> okay so this is how to this is how to do it jeter's committed a misdemeanor and like a Rod's a felon like eight times over. So, so all yeah. right, let's. Did Jeter also have a relationship with a seventeen-year-old girl? Oh, I hope not. I don't think so. I mean, I'm not gonna. I don't know. That's all you. I don't. Yeah. I'm not going down that road. <laughs> yeah. Carry on. Yeah, I, I have no idea myself, but. Uh, so yeah, so there's a lot to get into this episode. Um. I do kind of prefer a three-game series because then there's less. But uh, So we'll just get through it the best as we can. Going to be some freestyling later, though, I I will warn you. Uh, So let's just get into it. Red Sox win the series three games to one against the Orioles. Getting into studs and duds. Jason, you're in the leadoff spot. 
Who's your stud for the series? I'm going with Hunter Renfro. Um, and this is a guy that I've been hard on. I think we've all been hard on to start the year. Rightfully so. Um, he's been off to a really slow start. And even in this series, he wasn't, you know, lighting the world on fire. But he was, I think, 5 for 16, if I have that right. Um, he did have a home run and played some good defense. Um, his average is up to, I believe, 224 now. So that's a, a good improvement. I mean, not that 224 is anything to be parading through the streets for. But for a guy like Hunter Renfro, who had a nothing year in in the COVID season, I mean, he was a he was a you know sixty game dud, quite frankly, for Tampa in the COVID season. Um, he was the guy you picked up for low money. Everyone sort of said, okay, yeah, if this guy hits above one eighty five, it's an improvement. He's up to two twenty four, and the power's starting to come. For a while there, he only had one home run. There was that one homer he hit in Minnesota. And it took a while for the power to really get there. Now he's up to four. Um, and the defense looks good. He, he's a good right fielder. He made a good catch up against the wall in game three of the series. And he's starting to look confident, too. You know, after he made that catch, he sort of showed the, the ball out of his glove. Like, he had a little bit of swagger going there. Like, I think Renfro was starting to gain that confidence. I think, you know, Core playing him almost every day has given him some confidence. Uh, like I said, that batting average starting to creep up. He's starting to get the power swing going. Um, for a guy like him, if he hits close to 250, 260, and he's hitting for power and he's playing good defense, that's perfect for the Red Sox. You don't need him to be anything else. The Red Sox never needed Hunter Renfro to be a middle-of-the-order threat. Um, I think that's what other teams sort of mistakenly looked at him as. You know, The Padres looked at him that way. I think the Rays, to some extent, they thought that he was going to be a number four, or number five hitter. I think the Red Sox have told him, hey, if you're number seven or number eight in the order, that's fine. But if you can hit a home run every now and then and you're hitting close to 250, 260, and you're playing good defense, you're going to be in the lineup every day. And you're going to help this team win. So I've been impressed with him lately. I just feel like he's starting to get that swagger back a little bit. He's starting to look like a viable everyday player. Uh, unlike some other guys on this roster. So, you know what? And again, you've got guys on the disabled list now. Kike and Arroyo are both hurt. Um, you're going to need a guy like Renfro to get in there every day and prove that he's not a complete black hole in the lineup. And I think so far, at least in the month of May, he's proven that. So if this is the start of his upswing, nothing wrong with that. I'm all for it. I absolutely agree. I mean, the month of April, we saw him in... Uh... 19 games hit 100, 167 with a homer and eight RBIs. He struck out, I don't even remember how many times, what, 18 times, 18 strikeouts um, in 60 at bats. It's almost a one in three share. That's terrible. That's bad. 33 is not as bad as like Chavis or Dahlbeck or anything like that, but it wasn't good. The following month after today, his batting average is up to 316. He's had three homers, nine RBIs. So he struck out seven times in 30, 38 at bats. Uh, he has. 12 hits as opposed to 10 all of last month. Oh, yeah, he's only played nine games. So um, this is a much nicer little move that uh, I didn't see coming because truth be told, like after April, I was like, Jesus, what are we doing? But um, he's he's changed his tune. I mean, he's raised his batting average 50 points already. He's he's going to keep going. I mean, if, if we can see 250, I'd love to see it. Um, if he can consistently do three, four, 
five home runs a month. Um, yeah, that's going to be 30 on the year. So um, more power to him. Awesome, awesome stud for the week. I still hate Hunter Renfro. Um, he had a good series. He had a good series. He had a good two series, oh, actually. Nine for 30 if you combine Detroit with this one. Um, in uh, game one, he had a, an RBI single, drove in Rafael Devers in the uh, top of the fourth. And then that home run he hit was definitely a bomb, 453 feet. 453 exit velocity was 113 miles an hour. We knew he was capable of that, though. He was going to hit moon shots every ninth game with not a lot of getting on base in between. Um, good defense. I don't know why. I just I just don't like him. I, I guess I guess part and, and it's nothing personal. I I don't like the the performer is is what I'm getting at. If I'm being completely fair, because. How bad did we want Jackie Bradley gone? And then we got kind of not quite Jackie Bradley in, in Hunter Renfro. I, you think Renfro is better? How much is he getting paid in relation to Jackie Bradley? And how much is Jackie Bradley doing for his new team? Oh, Jackie I'm, Bradley has three home runs, is hitting way under 200, which is below what Hunter Renfro is doing. Renfro's had more home runs. Renfro's had more RBIs. Defensively, not the same person. But offensively, and considering the paycheck, Hunter Renfro is making how much less? Th- three million what? is his Five salary, million. so nine nine less roughly. But I'm not advocating though that we should have brought Bradley back. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm getting the the same level of frustration a year after Bradley's gone with another player. Is what I'm saying. Um, I get it, but wouldn't you agree that you're less frustrated paying a guy three million than twelve million and getting that kind of output? Well, like, I, I mean, if we're gonna break down the numbers here, I think Bradley got like seven point nine million last year. So you're you're paying him roughly half of what we last paid Bradley. You know, a little little That's under savings. half, but. I just, I'm just not, not a fan. Um, but I can't deny that he had a, a couple good series. Uh, this one was pretty good. They were against two of the worst pitching staffs in MLB. So literally the, you know, what's about to hit the fan. We're going to play Oakland, one of the hottest teams in the league. And I, I don't want to get really too far into this, but I was just thinking today, like, who's the World Series favorite right now based on what we've seen? The Dodgers probably still get there, but who knows? They they don't have a bullpen. Like this is a wide open World Series as much as I've ever seen, at least after one month. So, so a team like Oakland uh, kind of scares me because they can pitch, they can hit, they've got a bullpen. Um, we got the Angels after uh, that. They're not trending good, but. I want to see a guy like Renfro put these numbers up against those teams, and then I'll really shut up. Right. And w- yep. there, there's a lot of tough teams happen. this month and next month. So we're going to know by July 1st who we are. We're going to know what our identity truly is. So, um, so yeah. So he had a 453-foot f- bomb. I mean. That's not cheap. No, it wasn't. That, that's that's brutal. I have a feeling we're all going to be on the same page with Charlie's dud. So go ahead, Charlie. Hit us with it. 
For my stud or my dud? Oh, stud. Okay, I'm way stud. off. Stud. Okay. Whoa, I just got no, no, lit it's off. All good, I just gave I, up I, a three-run homer right there. You're stud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my stud for this one uh, was Rocky Devers. Uh, Devers was able to get on base and and do damage in each one of the games. Uh, even the last one, still got the only RBI in the game. He went three for thirteen. A pair of doubles, a homer, five RBIs, four runs scored. He averaged one a game. He did his job. Um, the five strikeouts was a little bit concerning, but it was only two going into that last game and was one of the more consistent players in the series. So um, happy to see him do it. Awesome that he didn't commit an error, at least that I saw. Um, it felt really nice to see him uh, do that work because it was a slow start for him along with a couple other players. Uh, he started slow last year too, but now he's starting to pick it up. And he's one of the leaders in the league. Not just the team. I mean, you got JD Martinez. Can you imagine having 29 RBIs on your team and you're not the team leader? Like that's insane. So Devers is back, and it's 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 looking bad for other teams. Like he's it's something that you mentioned on the last show, Terry. Like if he doesn't get a hit, he still gets walked a lot. So his on base percentage, if he doesn't get a single or a double, it's like fine. I'll just take first base. Just give me four balls, and I'm good. So I'm I'm content with him. You know, he did great. Jason, thoughts on Devers? Yeah, um, he's up to eight homers, 29 RBIs, and a 281 average. That's pretty much right on track for him. That's that's right where you want him to be. Maybe, as Charlie said, cut down on the strikeouts a little bit, raise that average a little bit more, or at least raise the on-base percentage. But he's trending right where he should be. Um, and honestly, the, you know, the last little bit, the defense has been good. It's it's been solid. He hasn't been, you know, a gold glove candidate or anything like that, but it hasn't been a detriment. You know, you're we're not sitting up here saying, Oh my god, did you see that bad throw by Rafi Devers? No, he's he's doing fine. So the power's there, that's key. Um, the batting average is right where it should be, and he's driving in runs. So if you can just kind of cut down on the strikeouts, cut down on the double plays too, I think that's a little bit of a bugaboo for him, but he's driving the ball. When when he makes good contact, he's driving it out of the park. You know, he's not getting cheap hits or even cheap home runs. He's crushing it. So, you know, and this is just early May. I have a feeling by the All-Star break, he's going to be leading third baseman in the American League in All-Star votes, and he should be. Um, he's going to – that average should raise up a little bit, and he'll be among the league leaders for home runs. So it's all turning in the right direction for him. He's just going to refine things a little bit, but – He's pretty much right there. It's it's all good signs for Rafi Devers. I agree. And here, here's the other thing, too, about Devers is the power is so uh, visible. He His home run, it, it missed. Like That's not where he wanted to hit that ball. And I sat there. I was like, damn it, he just had it. And the center fielder is going out there, and that ball is way over the fence. Like, mashed it. And then had a double to right field, and that was another laser. He just beamed one to right field. So if this is just the the beginning signs of what's to come, oh, my God, buy me more shares of Rocky Devers. Yep. If we don't retain him, that's Adrian Beltre 2.0 that we we let walk. Um, That was an absolute bomb off of Dean Creamer who pitched a very good game and Endeavor still clobbered him. 
Uh, I also got a kick out of the uh, first game uh, in the fourth inning. Devers should have been out on a grounder, and uh, Matt Harvey had to run to first base to cover, and he dropped it, and it kind of the ball kind of went over towards the dugout. So Devers took off for second, was safe, and then he decided to steal third base and and stole it, and then Renfro, as I said earlier, ended up driving him in. So. He's finding other ways to to beat teams, not just with his bat, which is good. And he's he's trim now. He's not he's not the big boy we've seen. And I notice he's pretty nimble. I mean, he looks like a Gold Glove third baseman at times. But that sixth game shows up, and he he botches one or something. I'm exaggerating. Not every six games, but when right when you get totally confident, he will commit an error. So, um, but he's my favorite player to watch on the on the Red Sox. I think he's going to overtake JD Martinez by the end of the year. Um, and like you said, Jason, I, I wasn't really looking ahead, at, at least to the All Star break specifically. But why not? I mean, who could beat him right now out for third base? No, I, I think he's the best third baseman in the American League. I mean, Jose Ramirez is obviously going to be right there. Yeah, but true. other than him, maybe Moncada, but Moncada's been off to a slow start, I think. So, you know, it, he's he's leading the pack. Yeah, he absolutely is. So good, uh, good pick by Charlie. My stud for the series didn't have a great game tonight and didn't actually play the the third game, but had a really good first two games of the series was Christian Vasquez. Uh, Drove in runs in both of those games, was 311 on the series. He had an eight-game hitting streak uh, coming into tonight, but that uh, got halted. Um, We got four hits tonight, so nobody was really... Uh, hitting, but uh, he he had a couple of uh, RBI singles in the series, and the more I see him do that, just kind of just kind of flick the ball, and uh, sometimes he'll go left field, sometimes he'll go oppo into right field, and it, it's not a hard hit ball, but if there's a runner on second base, they're coming home, and he's just a good hitter. And I never thought I would say that about Christian Vasquez. He looked like early in his career he was going to be a defensive specialist catcher. Like that was going to be where his value really was. And But he's been one of the most explosive offensive catchers of the last few years. And he doesn't, he doesn't have to go yard to hurt you. He can he can beat you with singles and he's great to watch at the plate. I love him in the six hole because Bogarts has a lot of protection and I just I, I can't help but be impressed. So Jason, thoughts on Vasquez? Yeah, um I, I think you're right. The the six hole is perfect for him because Vasquez will always give an opposing pitcher tough at bats. Um, and usually he ends up winning, you know, and, and he'll, he'll have his fair amount of strikeouts and he'll leave guys on base. You know, he's not, he's not a, uh, you know, silver slugger, 
you know, anytime soon. But he gives competitive at bats all the time. And for a guy hitting out of the six hole for your catcher, like that's that's more than you can ask for. Um, most teams don't care about having an offensive catcher. You know, they they want a catcher who's good behind the plate, who, you know, doesn't bungle everything like Gary Sanchez does, you know, he who just calls a good game and is responsible back there and is good enough defensively. And you know what? If you hit 210, whatever, right? Like that's the Mike Zunino model of just, okay, hit 210 and hit a couple home runs here and there, but we want you to be just a good defensive catcher. Vasquez is so much more than that. And it drives me nuts when like, you know, MLB.com or whatever ESPN will come out with like power rankings of catchers. And Vasquez is almost never on there. It's like Real Muto and a couple of other guys. And then it's like, they always forget about Vasquez. I'm like, just because he hits 275, 280, you know, he's maybe not hitting 300, but Vasquez is such a better defensive catcher than guys like Real Muto and these big offensive producing catchers. But he's also better offensively than like the really defensive minded catchers like Zunino and what have you. So he, to me, he's a top 10 catcher in the league. Um, you know, you, there might be some questions about his game calling, depending on who he's uh, who he's catching, which pitcher he's catching. But there's really not much to complain about. He, he's become a really good all-around catcher. And um, Red Sox are lucky to have him for now. It, his future is kind of up in the air once his extension runs out. But for now, just enjoy it. That that battery of him and Plowaki, you can't ask for much better than that. It, it's been going really well. Charlie. Well, as they say in, in as they say in Britain, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't need to beat a dead horse and say the exact same thing, but uh, we know what the modern model of what what teams want, what fans want to see, and it's not necessarily the best defensive catcher. They want to see people mash. And you're right, Christian Vasquez is never going to be a silver slugger. He's never going to lead the league in home runs or RBIs. He'll never lead the league in batting average. He'll never lead catchers in home runs, RBIs, batting average. But you're seeing. Christian Vasquez do certain things on a regular basis or a semi-regular basis that certain catchers just are never asked to do. Christian Vasquez will steal the occasional stolen base. He will steal a base. I don't see a lot of catchers doing that. That's something that goes completely unrecognized, untold. No, Christian Vasquez is probably never going to be the stud with a three or four homer series. But name another catcher in the lineup right now that does what he's doing. And I'll wait. I'll probably need to sit <laughs> maybe, down. Maybe Real Muto. There are two... Real Muto, is Real Muto isn't known for defense, though. He's known for being a hitting catcher. That's his thing. If Real Muto did not hit, he would be below Vasquez. That's well, a fact. He works well with pitching staffs. I know he has that reputation. But... He does. But like right now, like the two, the two catchers that everyone really knows are... JT Realmuto and Buster Posey, who's playing out of his mind this year. And I, I still can't fathom what's happening there. But Christian Vasquez, just what Jason said, very regularly goes unrecognized. And he can be frustrating sometimes because the game calling isn't always perfect, but he does a lot of the intangibles and a lot of the unasked things that do get done that aren't recognized. So totally great week uh, for him in this four game series couple of RBIs, um, a stolen base, a couple of runs scored. The only concern was was the strikeout number. 
You know, he struck out five times in 11 at-bats. So that was, what, 45% of the at-bats? That's a lot for um, him. Other, yeah. So other than that, though, I mean, he, he did fine for the four-game series. Um, as you mentioned, didn't play game three. But that's okay. You know, no complaints. And he he has my huge knock on him, and the numbers weren't great coming into the season. He typically does not work well with the pitchers. They all have extremely high earned run averages, but he's been catching everyone. There's been no personal catchers that that I can tell. I don't think Pulecki. Pulecki just basically seems to be playing a lot of day games after a night game, which is standard. So um, this week will, um, you know, will will end up playing all night games. So he'll probably end up in there for uh, a game. Maybe maybe Vasquez will DH, but. Uh, getting into some honorable mentions, Marwin Gonzalez was 5 for 18. Uh, tons of strikeouts, but 5 for 18. Uh, kind of filling in in the leadoff spot for another guy who's not even a leadoff hitter, Kike Hernandez. So, oh well. 4 for 15 uh, for uh, JD Martinez. Not like super robust for him, but. Uh, not terrible either. Bogart's four for fourteen. And you know, that's okay. That's okay. JD mashes every series if he has yeah. one off series, and that's an off series. It is like that's an off Shame series. On him. Four for fifteen. Shame Isn't on that him. sad? Like we have some guys who are making the stud list, and this is their first time, <laughs> and he, they're doing it like this is like a high expectation for them. JD Martinez goes four fifteen. He's just like, all right. So it wasn't a great series. That's okay. That's like. 260 for the series. I mean, I'd love it if Hunter Renfro was that all year. But but anyway, so yeah, Bogarts, 4 for 14, had a weird error today. I don't know what he thought he was playing, but he was bobbling the ball. So yeah, and uh, I guess, uh, yeah, so that's it for the hitters. I'm going to kind of go in reverse order here uh, as far as the pitchers go. Nick Pavetta, six innings uh, pitched, three hits, two earned runs, three balls, three balls, three walks, uh, two strikeouts, and uh, had a weird situation that I still am a little confused by. Um, was tipping his pitches in the first inning, and he did he did throw thirty pitches in the, in the first inning, and. Alex Cora made him remove his shirt that he was wearing under his jersey because something to do with the shirt was giving away his pitches. And an interesting thing about that is I pull up my phone because I should have had it up. Um, There was a similar situation in 2018 when he was with the Phillies and I'm pulling it up right now. I'm I'm like I'm getting lit up on the mound tonight. Basically, he cut the sleeves of his undershirt off in the middle of a game while he was still pitching with the Philadelphia Phillies. And uh that was a little weird. You know, so I don't know what it is, what the shirt has to do with it, but apparently it followed him from Philly to Boston, and the league knows about it. So he removed the shirt yesterday, 
and then pitched uh, very well for five more innings and is undefeated. He's 5-0 and and had a very wonky pitching line. Like I said, he walked more batters than he struck out. Three walks, two strikeouts. So where are you guys at with him? I'll be honest. So I, I actually talked about this with Zach um, for one of our hot take shows. This is, I believe, the first time that we've had two starters that have gone 5-0 and since 2002. And that was when Pedro Martinez and John Burkett went 7-0. and I thought it was 8-0 each. So I had to check my, my, my memory there because I thought both of them went 8-0. Pedro Martinez went 7-0. and Burkett went 7-0. and If someone were to tell you your rotation of Nick Pavetta, Garrett Richards, Eduardo Rodriguez, um, Martin Perez slash Tanner Houck, and then Nate Evaldi, that Pavetta and Erod would have been your two 5-0 and guys. 99 out of 100 would say absolutely not. That's just the a thing. As far as the, the cutting the sleeves, ripping sleeves, things like that, I'm not sure if it was like Chris Sale ripping, tearing up the sleeve, or if it was the Pedro Martinez, because Pedro used to do that too. He used to cut, um, I think it was like part of the jersey or something. Uh, when he was pitching, Just it, it just offered a little bit more breathability. I will be the first one to say that when we got Pavetta, I was like, great, we got damaged goods. That's like dating a girl with baggage. And that's kind of how it felt. He has proved me wrong five times this year. And granted, he's gotten the run support that some of the starting pitchers haven't gotten. But he's 5-0. and A couple more wins, he will match his career high. At this pace, he will match his career high before the All-Star break. So I have nothing bad to say about Pavetta right now. If your statistical anomaly of more walks than strikeouts bothers the standard fan, I will say this. We're still winning. And he's giving us six innings. So why are you complaining? That's I, what I would say. It's just the the metrics are weird every time. It's goofy as hell. Yeah. It's goofy as hell. But you know what? How many other pitchers have one hitters through like five or six this season? Not named Corbin Burns. Yes, I monitored that like you wouldn't believe. But how many other pitchers are doing it? And yes, it's sometimes some ugly innings and some weird, weird walk strikeout numbers. But he's been consistent with his inconsistency. You know, like more walks and strikeouts, but you're still giving us really close to a, a standard quality start. The Red Sox rotation in 35 starts this year, 36 counting tonight, have seven quality starts coming from their starting pitching. Seven. That's less than 20%. That means that one out of five guys is going out there per the rotation and getting you a quality start. That's not good enough. But if Pavetta can do that, give you six innings, I will shut my mouth. And I will be very, very careful and tiptoe through the tulips so I don't offend people because... I miss when starting pitchers went six innings. It's unfortunately not as common in Boston. Yeah, I mean, you got this guy for nothing. You literally got him for nothing. You you gave up 
Hembry and Workman. So Hembry, I, I guess he's with the Reds now, but didn't even realize. Uh, Workman, you just signed back. Workman, you know, got bounced around a couple of teams, got cut, and you just signed him back. You got him for nothing, and he's got five wins. And the walk-to-strikeout ratio, sure, yeah, sometimes he walks more guys than he strikes out. You know who else used to do that? Was Eduardo Rodriguez. So, you know, and, and he's our bonafide ace right now until Sale is back. So that happens sometimes. I, I, I don't worry about that too much. Obviously, you don't want it to be, you know, every start. But you got him for nothing. He was he was just kind of thrown into the back end of your rotation, and he's got you five wins, and he's he's pitching well enough to keep you in it. So I have no complaints, not at all. Do I want him to be a little bit sharper? Of course. We all you know we all wish that every starter could be an ace, but they just can't be. Some guys are just number five starters. That's what Nick Pavetta is. He's a number five. Some days he's going to be good enough to get you a win. Some days you're going to want to throw your TV out the window because of him. But he's 5-0. I I see nothing to complain about. Yeah, and I'm not complaining. I'm just trying to decipher if it's real or not, I guess is what I'm getting at. He had a 652 ERA coming into this season. Absolutely putrid. And he's pitched well, and he's walked the tightrope at times. Well, not I. maybe that's not even fair, but but – He's pitching well enough that he's keeping teams off balance and he's locked in enough so that he's not he's not beating himself out there. He's not a head case and 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 making mistakes because of it. So he's fine on both sides of that. So I'm just I want to see a little bit more before I start drinking the punch. I haven't officially drank the punch on anything this year. I'm still like, this is the weirdest MLB year. And we were just kind of talking about it with that World Series question I asked. But but he looked good. And we, we've got a tough run of teams coming up. He will be pitching in the Oakland series. So we'll uh, see how he does against a lineup like that. Garrett Richards, another one that uh, I don't know, that I I haven't really particularly cared for. Uh, Pitched pretty well, seven innings, eight hits, four earned runs, walked one, struck out five. I'll even give him a pass for two of those earned runs because they came late in the game. Um, I don't even have which inning up in front of me. I think it was the sixth or seventh inning he gave up two more runs. And... He just kind of fell asleep. He had a big lead. The score was like 9-2 to at that point. And so it's kind of easy to fall asleep at the wheel. But uh, he got it together. And uh, I think there was a key double play in that inning. Let's see. That was game two. And, um, yeah, that was the, I think that was the double play. The Xander to to. Marwin at second to Chavis and the the video that's kind of making its rounds on social media. So not a bad start for him. He looked very comfortable out there. He didn't get into any bad jams. The The strikeout count was down a little bit, but he was getting outs other ways. And that was, in my opinion, probably his best performance yet. So 
Um, thoughts on Richards? Yeah, I, I was impressed. Um, you know, it wasn't maybe his cleanest start, but I mean, this was a guy who was a complete disaster against this very same team. Um, not all that long ago. And he's obviously been a hot topic around Boston since getting here because he is one of the more higher price free agents that Bloom brought in. Um, granted, he's still not that much. It's one year for what, eight and a half or something like that. But he was one of the higher priced guys. He had a lot of expectations on him. This is a guy who has, you know, been had a lot of ups and downs throughout his career. He had one really good year. Uh, early on with the Angels, and everyone has kind of dubbed him as one of these, you know, uh, sort of hidden gems ever since then. Um, and all we've heard about is the spin rate, and, you know, he's, he's always got filthy stuff. You just got to put it all together. Um, so far, the month of April was kind of gross. This <laughs> was not great till, towards the very, until the very end. Lately, he's been better. And again, it, you know, I look at him kind of the same way I do Pavetta. As long as you're not a complete joke out there, if you give the team a chance to win, that's all I'm asking for with this rotation. Just give the team a chance to win, and that's what he's doing. Now, look, four runs, you know, probably a little too much, especially against this kind of offense. But, you know, again, he's not he's not delivering the kind of performances he was the first couple of weeks of the season where it was like he was on the mound and we had no chance to win, like zero. He just he gave away the game in the first couple of innings. So that's not happening anymore. Um, and it's early May. So if by mid-June he's more settled in and the ERA is under four, you know, or even if it's in the high threes, early fours, and he's giving you a chance to win, that's all I want. Just do that. That's all you need him to do. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I was talking about this earlier, and the quality starts was was something that I'm I'm very passionate about. Garrett Richards has two of those and Pavetta has three. So that means between Avaldi, Erod, Hauk, and Martinez, you have two. That's not enough. Uh in his start, it was seven I think it was seven to two before the fourth inning started. So six to two or seven to two. It was seven, I think it was seven to two. Uh you had a five run lead. If you botched that, you definitely would have been my dud. Nothing would give me greater pleasure than being able to, to, to put that, you know, into play. But you, I, I feel that most pitchers do well when they have a little bit of support. Richards is at a fair amount. We've also seen the ERA drop well over two. It's it's four and a half now. Um, it's a weird stat line. His whip wasn't pretty. He allowed eight hits, four runs, walked the guy, struck out five. It it doesn't really upset me. He did go seven innings, so I'm willing to get forgive the fourth the four earned runs. And as we mentioned, you know it's it's not going to be consistent. He's gotten blown out. He's won one, and he's had a no decision against Baltimore. He's faced him three times, and the first time, chalk it up or whatever. Beginning of the season, getting the rust off. Second game, all right, we'll see what happens. Third time around, you go seven innings, you allow four. I expect now you should be able to go six to seven against Baltimore and allow between three and four runs. That's my expectation for you. Now, if you get rocked the next time, then what happened? What's going on? So I'm feeling a little bit more comfortable 
and it pains me to say it with Garrett Richards, but it feels like as the weather gets better, he gets better. So there haven't been any, as many excuses about the weather. So if it's cold, he doesn't do well. If it gets warmer, he does better. So that means that June, July should be fun. August might be a little bit fun. September, we might start talking about what we were talking about last month. The excuses can't continue and they can't come back because now that we've seen what you can do, you need to be able to continue that path, especially since you told us you have how many games, 30 games to like show that you've got this. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't really know what to expect uh, long term with him. Um, but I will say this, I wasn't particularly worried about the start going into it. Like I felt like he was kind of trending in the right direction. So, um, we'll just see a lot of verdicts are going to get rendered again within the next six weeks. I I keep saying that we're going to find out who's for real, who isn't, and, and just kind of go from there. Uh, next before we move on to the duds, there's going to be a couple layers to this one, but Eduardo Rodriguez pitched game one of the series and uh, wasn't too bad. He went he went five innings, gave up seven hits, only one earned run. And I guess I didn't realize it till now, had also a wonky uh, walk three, struck out two. So he he wasn't sharp, but he didn't give up a ton of runs. The fourth inning was kind of an adventure for him. Gave up a leadoff double, uh, and that was where the one run came from. Uh, Let's see, that was Cedric Mullins uh, led the inning off with a double uh, to center, and then Trey Mancini, who was felt like he was getting RBIs all over the series, just had a had a great series. So did Mullins. So did Austin Hayes. Just the three of those guys are just going to be a terror for us for the next, you know, four to six years at least. But but got out of that inning, uh, got through the fifth, and um, shorter start. So I guess go ahead. Thoughts on Rodriguez, Jason? Yeah, a little bit of an uneven start for him. Um and this is kind of what I was talking about comparing him to Bavetta. Like Rodriguez still has starts like this where just his stuff is not the sharpest. Um he lets the fastball hang out there a little too much and and then when he realizes that the fastball is getting hit, he tries to dance around hitters and that's where the walks come in. And again, like this lineup, you shouldn't be walking too many of these guys. Mancini's a good hitter. Mountcastle is going to become a good hitter. Um, you know, Hayes, those guys, you know, Mullins. Sure. But like, you shouldn't be dancing around this lineup. It, it's a, it's not a great lineup. And I just worry about when the Red Sox really start to face the tougher competition in the, in the American league, when they face the Yankees, the Blue Jays, when they're all healthy and, and they're firing on all cylinders, the Astros, like Eduardo Rodriguez cannot dance around those lineups. He can't walk those those guys because those lineups are so full that he's going to get hurt by that. So, so far, I think he's been protected by sort of a weaker schedule. He's 5-0. and He's looked really sharp in some starts, and he's looked uneven in others. I want him to eventually just get to a point where he's more consistent. And I know that, like, it's a Rod Rodriguez. It, you know, 
consistency's never really been his thing. But if he's going to be the bona fide ace or, you know, the 1A or 1B, whatever you want to consider him, he's got to cut down on the walks. He's got to cut down on the bad innings. And he's just, he's got to sharpen up all around. So, so far, again, not much to complain about. We're in, you know, first place. He's 5-0. and That's fine. But I do worry about him. Like, do you, do you have any confidence in Eduardo Rodriguez pitching against the Yankees in Yankee Stadium? in like a big game because I don't. And that's a problem. That That's a problem. Eventually that's going to become a very pertinent thing. So again, it's early May. We've got a lot, a lot of baseball left to play. Hopefully he'll sharpen up, but it's got to start happening because um, I thought this weekend he kind of, he got away with it. Yeah. I, I, my, my issue is just the pitch count. I mean, you've thrown a hundred pitches almost in 55 innings, 91 pitches and yeah, 67% of strikes. Again, weird, kind of wonky line. Yes, we won. Three walks, two Ks, seven hits, one earned run, five innings of work. The the issue with me is the pitch count and the amount of work done. You can't live throwing 100 pitches in five innings consistently. Not against this team, just what Jason said. Because if you're throwing 91 pitches in five innings and that's your hope, Good luck against the San Diego's and the LA Dodgers Angels teams that have nothing but mashers on their team. You're you're gonna be you're gonna be facing some real especially if this team goes all the way to the playoffs. Good luck. They're gonna have to do something to fix this because six innings, one hundred pitches minimum. That's the baseline. If you're throwing ninety one in five innings, it's not cutting it. You you're laboring. And this is not a team that you should be laboring, not laboring with, rather. So that that's my concern right now, too, is 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 the amount of pitches per inning. And, yeah, you might have a, a quick inning, but it's not like you're facing nine Mike Trouts. You're really not. So this shouldn't be an issue. And, sure, it's May. Yes, we have a division lead. But... Just what Jason said, would I trust Erod in New York against the Yankees right now? No. Would I trust Erod anywhere in their home against their ace? No. Because this isn't it's it's not enough unless the offense clicks and fires on all cylinders. Then he's a little bit more comfortable and he does let some at bats go a little bit too long. But you should not be allowing two base runners per inning on the average. I'm sorry. Nope, not against this team. He he gave up a lot of hits. In four out of his six starts, he has gone just five innings, five innings exactly. So hopefully that, you know, trends upward to what we're seeing with Pavetta and and Garrett Richards in his last start with uh, a seven-inning outing. I think he'll get it, though. Like, my confidence in him... By the time July rolls around, I've got less skepticism than I might with a guy like Pavetta or Richards. I want to get into something real quick before we get into the duds. A little bit of freestyling. We haven't had a very good week in the farm system with our pitchers. Connor Siebold has been shut down for minor elbow inflammation. The team said they're not overly concerned with it. They just expect him to miss one or two turns through the rotation. Uh, 
Tanner Houck, a day or two later, has a sore flexor muscle. And that's not to not believed to be serious, but there's no timetable for his return. So <laughs> it doesn't end well in most of these situations. And these were depth guys. If Pavetta just loses his mind and has to get optioned. All right, well, he doesn't have options, so they would have to do the injury thing. But if one of these guys had to get called up, you can't. And we've already lost Brian Mata. He did have surgery. So I'm just wondering how much depth we really have, what the mindset is going to be as we get towards the July deadline. And so go ahead. Thoughts on those those guys. I I would imagine they've got to add pitching. If, if this team is still, you know, not necessarily in first place, but they're still contending, they're still one of the top teams in the American League, you know, in general. Um, pitching is your number one priority, isn't it? I mean, we talk about the bottom of the lineup all the time, but that's a more easy fix because you actually do have more bodies down in AAA and, you know, it, it's easier to fill out the bottom of the lineup as opposed to finding another starter. Um, so if they do start to lose bodies in that starting rotation, they've got to look at adding pitching at the deadline or maybe even before that. They may not have the opportunity to wait. Um, and, and again, it depends on health. If everyone stays healthy, then they might have the benefit of being able to wait a little bit. But um, I, you know, I don't want to hear them ever say, well, it, it's okay. We don't have to add pitching because, you know, Chris Sale is throwing off the mound today. No, 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 that's not good enough. I don't want to hear that because you can't depend on that. Believe me, me and, and every other Red Sox fan, you know, in the state, in this country, would, would love to see Chris Sale go back into that rotation and be Chris Sale again. But you cannot rely on that. So if they're starting to lose bodies and they're still contending when it gets to mid-June, even late June, they've got to consider looking at some starting pitching, looking at teams that are already willing to sell and pick up a cheap starter somewhere. Because if these guys in the minors keep getting hurt, you know, like you said, that depth is going to go away real quick. And that could be a real problem once you get into the latter parts of the summer. Yeah. Pitching wins ball games, and pitching is what you need. If you don't have a sixth starter uh, and you don't have a solid pen, you're not, you're just not going to go far. Um, and if, if this is, you know, we're not even two weeks through May, two weeks through May, and we already have one of the more taxed bullpens in the league, that's not a good sign. And it starts with the fact that our starters aren't going deep enough and our relievers are potentially going too frequently. Um, we will have to look at some options, uh, maybe another starter, maybe another reliever. If we lose a starter right now, we're in big trouble because uh, Hauk is experiencing some issues. Chris Sale's not ready yet. Um, we can't afford to lose any of these guys right now. If we lose a Richards, we lose a Richards Anavaldi. Or I'm thinking about the guys that have had major injury history in the past. Um, the rotation in the state of the Sox will look drastically different. Um, immensely different and 
And uh, I don't know how often or how frequently we're going to be able to continue winning three out of five games. So keep my fingers crossed that that isn't an issue. If one or both of them end up having Tommy John, and I hate to even bring that up, but you got to consider all possibilities. That would take them out for the bulk of next season, most likely. It's a 12 to 18 month recovery. And Chris Sale, for example, if all goes well, he'll end up in the 15 month range by the time he comes back. That's what he seems to be on track for. So it's hardly ever 12 months. You know, maybe a reliever could do it, but starters don't. So here's what I'm wondering. I didn't think the Red Sox, and you guys probably disagree with me. I know some of the other guys do. Um, I didn't think Rodriguez was really in the plans for next year because you you would have Houck in the rotation. You would have Seabold. You would have Sale, Pavetta, uh, Avoli for one more year. It just There wasn't an, an obvious fit for Rodriguez to – to be in the rotation, and it just seemed that much more evident when Bloom didn't approach him before the season started to give him an extension because Bloom at that point would have had all the leverage with the liabilities that Erod presented. So what I'm wondering here is, will the uncertainty now of Siebold and Hauk make Rodriguez a bigger extension priority at this point. Yeah, it's funny to think that, like, injuries in the minor league system could give Eduardo Rodriguez more leverage in contract negotiations going forward. But it's it's true. I mean, if the Red Sox were originally not planning to bring Erod back, and now all of a sudden, you know, sure, Bloom's going to acquire more arms and he's going to build up that minor league system. But if guys keep getting hurt and all of a sudden he looks at, you know, his projected rotation three, four years down the road and he can't rely on any of them being healthy, then maybe the Red Sox do cave a little more. They say, okay, we weren't planning to give Eduardo this contract, but we may not have a choice because if we let him walk and Chris Sale is, obviously up in the air. You hope that he comes back well from Tommy John, but not everyone does. And now all of a sudden you're, you know, Ivaldi, I don't think, I'm not sure they're going to bring him back once he's done. So what's your rotation in the next three to four years? That, you know, that's a big question. So it, it could end up being that they end up just caving and sort of saying, okay, you know what? We weren't going to give him this much, but the fans are going to absolutely riot if we don't more so than they would have, you know, over the Mookie Betts thing. So, we don't have a choice. We, we have to have someone at the, at the front of our rotation, and it can't be Nick Pavetta or it can't be, you know, um, Tanner Houck with three pitches. So, okay, let's let's give Eddie the, the five-year, six-year deal. Charlie? I mean, I wasn't sure what the plan was with who was going to get re-signed and who wasn't because it, it just seemed like we just weren't in the market of spending money. We didn't want to spend any money on any players and that was tough uh but i am trying to imagine what the rotation is going to look like without erod in it and i'm trying to think of what the optics is going to look of that with erod not in the rotation either 
And if you don't re-sign him, is it worse than not getting John Lester? Or is it not as much? Not as bad? So if you don't go and get the guy who's been there and been with the team for several years now, who's never had any complaints, who had a major life health scare in 2020, I think the optics of it look really bad. And I think not re-signing Erod or making an effort makes you look bad too. So that falls on Bloom if Erod ends up walking and he ends up not having ever had a proper contract dealt to him. I'm curious, what would fans think? Is it worse or not as bad as what we did and what ended up happening with John Lester? I think, I mean, Lester won two rings and was fresh off of the second one, like months off of it. So I I think that kind of added to the frustration. And he had his own health issues with cancer that kind of made him a, a heavy sentimental favorite amongst Sox fans. But, um, so I don't think it's quite that drastic, but the optics aren't good. And I could go on and on all day about how I don't think Bloom wants any guys that he didn't bring in. You know, he doesn't want the holdovers. He wants his team that way he can thump his chest to his old boss, Andrew Friedman, who's built a juggernaut in the Dodgers organization. Um, So we'll see, but I just think that this should be a priority. I I really think it should be. And there are other guys, there, there are moves that can be made, trades. It's too early to tell. I mean, I didn't think we were going to end up with Jake Peavy in, in 2013. <laughs> it, like days out of that, I didn't think we were going to we were going to end up with Jake Peavy. So, um, so who knows? But it's one of the things that was uh, on my radar as I saw these guys, um, you know, get shut down. So, getting over finally to the duds thing, we're not. We're not any better uh, about getting through it, but but it's been a good show. So, Jason, who's your dud? Okay, so um, it's time for me to rain on everybody's parade um, <laughs> because I'm going to go with Bobby Dahlbeck as my dud. Um, I know that he went four for 15. I know that he finally hit his second home run of the season, um, and he drove in five. So, yay, everything's fixed, right? Everything's good. No reason to worry about Bobby Dahlbeck, who is currently hitting, I'm sorry, 188 um, on May 10th. No, no, no reason to worry at all, right? He also left six men on base still. Um, so that's still an issue. And I just, I'm getting to the point where I'm done with the, well, it's early. Uh, just be patient. He's a young kid. You know, we, we got to give him a bet. So, you know, you got to be patient with him. You don't want to crush his confidence um, after that because you're in first place and the bottom of your lineup has been a joke for the first month. And you've gotten away with that. You've gotten away with it because the Yankees uh, decide to fall asleep for the month of April. They're awake now. The Yankees are awake. I don't know if anyone's paying attention, but they're playing well. The Blue Jays are going to wake up. 
I mean, they're they're starting to. Blue Jays are going to wake up. So you're not going to be able to get away with this for much longer. Um, and I, I just, I was looking at it today. I thought, you know, geez, I wonder if there's someone out there who's available, you know, for dirt cheap, who just got cut by their by their team, who would be better than Bobby Dahlbeck. Hmm. I know he's 41, um, but Albert Pujols has more home runs than Bobby Dahlbeck so far this year. He has five, and he's his batting average isn't great. It's 198, I know, 198. But, hey, if we're okay with letting a 188 hitter play every single day, why not bring in someone like Albert Pujols on a cheap make good contract a guy who is a future hall of famer who still wants to play every day and the angels just said hey we can't find playing time for you anymore because we're the glorious la angels who are obviously going to win our division um <laughs> laughably um but he wants to play every day he's probably extra motivated why not take a flyer send bobby doll back down let him get a bats every day in triple a now that that season has started um, which, you know, Carabas was like two weeks late on. Um, now that that season has started, let him get at bats every day. Let him figure things out down there and bring in a guy like Bujols. I know, I know that, you know, probably a lot of people will laugh at that, but like, what else do you have to lose? Your first, your everyday first baseman is hitting 188 and isn't hitting for power. Two home runs by May 10th is not good enough. And if it's not Bujols, then maybe it's Michael Chavis who's only up here because of injuries, but if Chavis gets more playing time and he starts to play better than Bobby Dahlbeck in a limited time span, maybe he takes over the first base role. Maybe they don't sign Pujols, but maybe they say, hey, you know what? When Kike or Christian Arroyo come back, Bobby, you're the one going down because Michael Chavis came up here and played better than you in two weeks than you have in a month and a half. I just, I'm all for patience with young players, but don't we kind of know what Bobby Dahlback is now? Do we really have to go through this again with just, you know, waiting until late June when the guy's hitting 192 and you finally send him down? It's just hold a plug on him. I, you know, I'm tired of, I'm tired of watching him strike out with guys on base. I'm tired of watching him ground his double plays and I'm tired of watching him hit home runs when they don't matter. So just, Send them down. I don't care if it's Pujols or if it's Chavis or whoever. Just get someone else at first base because I'm fed up with them. Charlie, are you intrigued? I feel like ab- I should. Are you intrigued about Pujols? I I just feel like I should give, give Jason a hug because that was that was brutal. But here's the thing: Bobby Dahlbeck's home run, while it was still a home run, was a pitch that literally I think 108 percent of the human population could have hit over the wall. Why do I say 108%? Because I think some people could have hit it from both sides of the dish for their first career at bat. It was right down Main Street. It was grooved. And as soon as Dahlbeck hit it, a home run. Like, everybody and their mother knew it. It was blatant. But I'm with Jason on this. I have been pushing to get Chavis back. I'm a Chavis guy. Bobby Dahlbeck is not doing it. Strikeout numbers in this series were not crazy. Four strikeouts and 15 at-bats. Had a couple singles, a double. Yes, he had two RBIs in the second game. But 
I'm also just kind of over it. Now, the argument that you're making for Pujols is interesting. I'll entertain it briefly. The Red Sox already have players that can play first base. We don't need Dahlbeck there, and we don't need Pujols there. In each one of Albert Pujols' games that he had a home run, would you like to take a guess how many other hits he had in those games? I'd say zero. Zero? No. Mind reader you. He's had three walks this year. He's two for his last 19 with one RBI. We can get that from Chavis already. We don't need to go outside and go get that. While it'd be fun, and I'm sure it would put a couple, probably another six or seven butts in seats at Fenway until we open up the 25% cap, uh, I think that Albert Pujols doesn't want to have an experience with yet another team where he's going to bat under 200. He's not going to get on base. He could potentially get booed. He's 41 years old. The Red Sox have guys that are half his age that are ready and are getting paid a fraction of what he's getting paid. It'd be cute. It'd be fun four years ago. Not now. Right now, if that's the direction that we're adding Albert Pujols for whatever amount of money, then it's going to be the whole, why didn't we sign all these other guys over spring training? And why didn't we sign all these other guys over the summer? So it's cute. I like it. I think it'd be fun if it was a couple years ago. I can't see it now. Jason said it well when he said there's no obvious choice. There's no obvious choice. So I guess the curiosity for me with a guy like Pujols is what would pissed off Albert Pujols look like at Fenway? Got chipped out of his. That's where. Yeah. Yeah. That's where my idea came from. Yeah. Yep. So I don't. He's got to be under. I'm trying to think of another example where an aging veteran showed up at a ball club and just kind of made a difference. I mean, Edgar Renteria with the Giants probably wasn't quite that old. I I know he was up there, but. um, And Steve Pierce. I actually do have one more question about Pujols. Yeah, go ahead. What's his target share? Of shots to left field. Is he a push or is he a pull? I I think by this point in his career, he's mostly pull. I mean, he still likes to go left center for the most part. But I feel like because he's older, pulling the ball is easier for him. So Fenway kind of suits that swing. That would. That would help. I mean, in all full transparency, it's... I just I, I just look at him as, you know, look at what the Dodgers have done over the last couple of years. All the aging veterans that they add to the end of their roster when they're on a World Series run. Like, granted, you know, I'm not penciling in the Red Sox for the World Series anytime soon, but they're a contending team. So if you're a guy like Pujols, who's a future Hall of Famer, you still want to play every day. You want to just sit on the bench for the rest of Or do you really want to go play for, like, Miami where, you know, it, you know what I mean? Like, why not play in Boston at Fenway Park, getting almost everyday reps at first base and getting a chance to hit over the green monster every day? Like, I especially, you know, playing in the American League, like against the Angels at some point, I just feel like he'd be motivated and you'd probably get him for dirt cheap at this point. Have you guys heard the rumors that Pujols possibly it's never been proven i'm just i'm bringing up internet gossip right now but it's 
it's out there and it's kind of intense. Um, have you seen the the rumors that Pujols lied about his age? Because I, I hadn't heard of that. That's news to me. If uh, that's the case, uh, okay, um, I hadn't heard that. Well, I got a quote, and I heard the quote. Uh, I read a similar quote in The Athletic. I think it was The Athletic. I'm not even confident about that, but I'm on uh, insider.com right now, and I I do have a quote here. Um, It's from a Marlins uh, executive, David Sampson, and he was – President of the Marlins from 2002 to 2017, and he says, and this is quoted, there is not one person in baseball, not one executive who believes Albert Pujols is the age that he says he is, Samson told Levitard. He goes on to say, quote, the amount of fraud that was going on in the Dominican back in the day, the changing of names, the changing of birthdays, it would blow your mind. And there was a couple of, in the previous article I read, they actually listed a couple of players. I think one might have been Wandy Rodriguez, who was really two years older than, than he was. Another one, uh, same thing, was just a couple years older. Um, and, it, and it makes them more signable is the thing. You know, a 17-year-old stud is more attractive than a 19-year-old uh, stud, uh, you know, when when international signings are happening. So uh, it's just kind of interesting. I was kind of surprised by it. I talked to a couple of other people who were familiar with it, who had seen the rumors. Um, so, I mean, he could be potentially, I don't know, 42, 43 years old. But that being said, like I was saying – I would still love to see – well, I shouldn't say love it, but I would be curious. I've got enough doubt in Bobby Dahlbeck that I would take a chance on Pujols. Worst case, you DFA him in a month or two. And how that works is he's on his Angels contract and he's getting a lot of money. This might be the most expensive year of it because they backloaded it. And the Red Sox would only have to pay him the the major league minimum, which I think is five or six hundred thousand dollars. That's the the major league minimum. So, um, so we I think we've got at least five or six million to spare. So that's literally nothing. It's barely going to make a dent in it. Um, I don't know that Hein Bloom is that type of a guy. I just feel like he's too much of a purist with the analytics, but, um, but we could do it and you, you could play him at first. You could give him some time at DH and put Rodriguez in the outfield. Uh, not Rodriguez, excuse me, Martinez. Um, I'm sure he would like it going into basically a contract year since he has an opt out. JD does at the end of the year. So, um, We'll see. Uh, first base is such an easy position to come up with a solution for, and the Red Sox just don't have a ton. Uh, that's crazy to me. So I've I've never seen this lack of depth at, at first base. So that's why we're talking about Albert Pujols. But but go ahead, Charlie. You're dud for the series. 
Uh, I'm going to try to keep this under a minute. French Cordero, over 10. Garbage. Moving on. Whew, that was fun. Next. <laughs> he doesn't even deserve a minute of conversation. It's just, it's, it's putrid you used. It's not fun. It's just not fun watching him play. It's not what, it's not fun watching him bat. And after that little kick defensive play that he had several games ago, I just, oh, ugh. it's that, it's that thought you get when you see flan, you know, that dessert. I don't know if you guys are flan people. I'm not a flan person. Uh, it's disgusting. And watching him bat is disgusting. And I'm done with it. Next. Yeah, th- this guy is barely worth any time at all, and he shouldn't be getting the playing time that he is, but that's still happening. Um, Grant, that's probably going to happen even more going forward now that Kike and Arroyo are on the D- on the IL, so that kind of sucks. Um, we're probably going to see even more of Franchi Guerrero and his sprint speed and his plus power, which we've yet to see any of. Um, this guy just can't play. Like, Enough already. There's a reason why four other teams, I think, gave up on this guy before he came here. And he's like, what, 26 years old or something? Like, he can't play. It's just, it's getting nauseating. This is a guy that once, you know, once we get into like late June, July, and this team's still contending, you're not going to see this guy in the lineup. They're they're either going to call up Duran, which I think is less likely, or they're going to make a trade and they're going to bring someone in here who can at least be a representative major league ball player. And he's going to take Cordero's playing time because this can't keep happening. It's just him and Dahlbeck. I'm just, I'm done watching it. I'm done being patient. I'm all set. Just get these guys out of the lineup. Sick of it. There were so many, I told you so's after that three for five game that he had in the Detroit finale. Like there it is. That's that's why they brought this guy to Boston and against another easy pitching staff in Baltimore, 0 for 10. 0 for 10. That's why I don't drink the punch. There are much better players on the Red Sox right now that I'm still not drinking the punch quite yet. And uh, and I love punch. I love a nice fruity cold glass of punch. Uh, but yeah, Cordero, when you talk about Chavis or Dahlbeck, when you talk about Chavis or Dahlbeck, I think I'd be more upset if, if Cordero was kept over Chavis. So yeah, that, that better not happen. If if it comes to like decision time where. You know, Kike or Arroyo's coming back, and Chavis is at least hitting, I don't know, 235, or at least, you know, knows how to put the bat on the ball, then Cordero's got to be the one shipped out. Right? If Chavis is hitting well and they send him back down and keep Cordero up here, holy sh... I mean, yeah, then you really got to start asking some questions. I'd be really Cordero upset. is four for his last 48. Four for his last 48. Take out that Detroit game. One for 43 with one RBI. What team has a player that is one for his last 43 and is still getting at-bats, opportunities, 
consistently. I'll wait. See, I, I got into it with someone in the in the group chat when I said twenty nine other major league executives would have sent Franchi Cordero down, but he's Bloom's guy, so he's still here. He's still here, so it's frustrating. It's a it's extremely frustrating, um, but we're winning, so. Um, We'll we'll see how, like I said, the next several weeks go. My dud for the series, uh, thanks to tonight, will be Matt Andres, who has given up seven runs in his last, uh, three out of his last five starts, uh, appearances, I should say, he's a reliever. Three out of his last five appearances has given up five runs. So, this was a guy, I mean, quite frankly, I'm not shocked. He was trash everywhere he was before here. And he had a he had a bad game that we covered on the last show. He wasn't a dud. But I'm just wondering, you know, a month a month from now, what are we gonna what are we gonna be saying about Matt Andrews? Is he gonna write the ship and go back to the way he was for the the first month when he like I think it was eight out of his first ten appearances were scoreless, and the other thing here is now that he's scuffling outside of Matt Barnes, who do you trust? Ottavino gave up a run, almost disappointed a lot of moms on Mother's Day by giving up more runs in that eighth <laughs> inning. Um, so I, it's it's concerning to see a guy like Andre struggle after he started off so good, but um, got tagged for three runs tonight. One of them was, was with uh, Valdez um, on the mound, but it was charged to Andre. So, uh, Jason, thoughts on Andre's? Regression to the mean is what we're witnessing with Matt Andres. This is kind of who he is. Um, this, you know, what he was through the first month where he had the ERA in, in the low twos and he was even getting save opportunities at times. Like that's not who Matt Andres is. He's a, he's a pitcher with a ERA in the mid threes, usually in the fours. He's just kind of a jag as, you know, as I like to call a lot of guys on this team, but you hit the nail on the head. It's like if Andres is starting to regress, then that bullpen is starting to look a lot more shaky than you might want to admit because Austin Bryce is a joke right now. He's, he's a nobody. Um, Valdez is, you know, the numbers are good, but I don't feel confident when that guy's on the mound. Not at all. Ottavino hasn't turned it around and Darwin's and Hernandez lately has been good, but he can always go back to just walking the ballpark and not locating his fastball and just being, a complete mess out there too. So outside of Matt Barnes, this bullpen is very, very shaky. And the fact that Andres is starting to regress is a big time concern. And again, I bring it up all the time, but this is happening against Baltimore. Again, like you haven't faced the Yankees yet. You haven't faced the real class of the American league yet. So when they start facing those better lineups, that's where you really start to get concerned. Is Matt Andres going to come in against the Houston Astros and nail down a, a clean inning for you at the moment. Doesn't look like it. 
I, I wouldn't trust it. So that bullpen's starting to look a little more shaky. I hopefully this is just a blip on the radar and he settles back down. He figures it out, but I don't know. Matt Andreese, you look at his career numbers. This is kind of who he is. So it, it's just regression to the mean. That's that's what I look at it as. So a couple couple things. One, I'm going to apologize because I was not muted. I totally laughed. So our listeners are going to hear me laughing. Number two, he's back to his his average. His career average is 4.54. His ERA right now is 4.67 for the year because he's had a very difficult May. And it's almost as if I mentioned this multiple times before. We don't have starting pitching that goes long. And because of that, our bullpen gets taxed. It's like a deja vu moment. Um this is a telltale sign and flag being risen outside of Barnes, Sawamura, a good amount of time, and Whitlock, who also is good this year. Your bullpen is in trouble. If I'm other teams right now, I'm locking on to that. My goal is to get your starters out after five innings. And if I can get them out in the fifth inning, oh, goody, goody, because good things will happen to our team if we can get your starters to throw 90 pitches in five innings because Alex Cora doesn't want to throw your starters out for a sixth. He wants Garrett Whitlock and Ben Andrews to come out. And Andrews blew the doors off today. It, was, it wasn't good. And unfortunately, no run support. I don't think this game was winnable after that fifth, sixth inning. Unfortunately, it was what it was. But it, our bullpen on paper was, I mean, even... It's one of the most taxed bullpens in baseball right now. It's just a fact. And I, I believe on, I forget the name of the website, it was number 14 right now. And it was at one point in the top 10, like fourth most taxed bullpen. We've slipped down to 14th in a good way. You want to be like 30th or 29th. And we're 14th right now. We're in the middle of the pack. If this doesn't trend the right direction, we're totally back in the, in the top 510. So if Andrews can't figure it out, then you're 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 dealing with Bryce, Taylor, Andres, and the Walker. That's Darwin's and Hernandez, who outside of that three inning eight strikeout gem that he had, has been inconsistent. So where do we go from here? What, what it goes back to what Jason said. You're gonna have to pick up another pitcher. You might have to get another reliever. That's just it. Yeah, and Sawamura, when I start to get comfortable with him, he'll give up a solo bomb. He just seems kind of prone to that. Um, so hopefully that gets reined in because I do see him as a high-leverage guy. But it, it was interesting that Perez got pulled today in the after five innings and only 74 pitches when we do have a tax bullpen. I guess that was the logic for Andres coming in because he was going to go multiple innings, but it backfired. I mean, if Perez pitches one more inning, that reshuffles the deck and maybe the circumstances are different because Andres would have come in against different parts of the order and uh, potentially maybe it could have been different. I don't know, but it, it was definitely a curious move uh, by Cora to do that. I also didn't like Josh Taylor coming in after Nick Pavetta with a one-run lead. <laughs> For a full inning. That's insane to me. And then Ottavino came in. And I think the Red Sox might have got a run uh, just before Ottavino came in. 
Uh, we're up by two. Ottavino gave up w- one run, and then it was a one-run game again. So, and he's extremely stressful to watch. Uh, and then finally, Barnes comes in. So, I don't think Alex Cora particularly had a good series here as far as managing goes. It went okay in that third game because we got the win. Uh, it did not go okay uh, today when he decided to take out Perez early. And Perez said after the game he could have gone on longer, but just trusted that Cora was making the right decision. You know, he's he said he answered all the questions the right way from the media after the game. So um so it's the the bullpen is looking a little mortal. Brazier will be up. I'm guessing Bryce finally, mercifully, is the, the first man out. Um, I, I don't know if a guy like Bizarro comes up and takes out someone else. Valdez, like Jason said, has a 338 ERA, and he hardly gets used. So sometimes I'd be fine with a guy like Valdez over Ottavino if if he's been scuffling a little bit. So hope, hopefully the bullpen gets better in the in the coming days. Gets more balanced, I should say. Yeah, it's it's got to sharpen up, and and I wonder if like Cora pulling Perez early and stuff like that. It's just Cora trying to be, uh, you know, trying to manage their pitch counts, manage their innings early on because he knows it is a full season this time. And um, Cora has always been very conscientious of that, and almost to a fault at times. I feel like April he gives so many guys days off because he knows it's a long season, but. I agree. Um, outside of that, those were curious moves for a guy with, you know, admittedly a shaky bullpen. Charlie? Same. Um, I I remember listening to Martin Perez talk and Alex Cora talk at the end of this game. And it seemed like they were not on the same page. Alex Cora had mentioned very quickly that he did not want to get bit again because Martin Perez was in there too long. Five and two thirds didn't end well. Didn't want to have the same thing happen. Martin asked at the end, it was that game. And it was, uh, you know, wasn't my call. So it almost sounds like usually managers and pitchers are aligned uh, with the responses that they're going to be given in post game. And that did not seem aligned at all. I think Martin Perez did want to pitch one more inning. And as you know, you've, you, we've, we've mentioned it before. Terry's mentioned it multiple times. Martin Perez struggles in the last inning of his appearances. I still think you should have given him another inning. Because Detroit's not Baltimore. And Baltimore's not Detroit. And if we're judging past performances for the future, then we're doing it wrong. Because if we judge Garrett Richards on everything that he did at the beginning of the year, we wouldn't be talking about Garrett Richards the way that we're talking about him now, which is not super negative, but we're also, as Terry says, not drinking the punch yet, you know? So I uh, want to trade carefully with, with Martin Perez too, because you, you have, he's got like a very interesting following. People like him. So in an interest to not upset them, my hope is that he can get the six inning starts underway uh, five innings, simply put, not going to get it done. And 70 pitches through five innings, 
He could have gone more. What's the worst that could have happened? We lost the game. He wasn't getting the run support anyways. It would have been one less inning of attacks on the bullpen. Uh, just before we wrap here super quick, we'll just go through the three-game set against the Oakland A's. Uh, they're all 7-10 p.m. games, all at Fenway. Uh, we got a six-game homestand. The Angels come in right after. But game one against Oakland, Nathan Avaldi versus Chris Bassett, who is having a pretty good year, a 370 ERA. Strikeout count is is pretty high. Um, he's not quite as good on the road, but certainly could be a very competitive game. So how how do you guys, uh, see Erod versus Bassett? I, I like Erod versus this lineup. Um, I think that he should bounce back a little bit. I do like Oakland's lineup a lot. But I think they've lost a little bit of firepower. Simeon's oh, not there anymore. My bad. Evaldi. Um, he should. Do. It's Evaldi. Does that change? Oh, Evaldi. Yeah, I'm sorry. Erod's game two. Oh, it's Evaldi. Yeah. Okay. Bad. So Evaldi game one. Um, okay. I mean, even Evaldi though, still. I mean, he's he's struggled his last few outings. So this is a good opportunity for him to bounce back. I'm not impressed with Oakland's lineup uh, all that much outside of you know. The, the usual guys that you know about. So I think they've lost a little bit of firepower. My biggest worry is about Bassett. I think Bassett's a sneaky good pitcher who could give this Red Sox lineup a lot of a lot of issues. He's got a heavy sinker. Um, I think he's going to throw them off balance a little bit. So if anything, I could see it being a close game. And, you know, if the Red Sox offense doesn't step up, then uh, that could be one that Oakland just kind of steals from us because – Bassett is. He, he's sneaky good. There's not a lot of people that give him the credit that he deserves. I actually agree. Uh, uh, Bassett has allowed two earned runs in five straight starts, and he's 2-2. Two and two. When you allow two runs, you should be getting enough support on your team. So, similar to what Jason was saying earlier, with the lineup doesn't scare, scare you as much, I completely get it. Chris Bassett, though, is getting quality starts almost every time out. He's had four straight and five of his last six appearances being quality starts. That's adorable. I wish we had that. Unfortunately, we don't. Um, Depending on who's in the lineup for the Red Sox, it could be really only having to face six batters, maybe seven. And then you get two basically pitcher slots who are waste, just stupid. Uh, We don't know who's pitching the second game of the series. It's, It's Erod against to BD. We don't know. The third one is Richards against Manaya. Terry said it multiple times already. I feel like I've said Terry, Terry, Terry a bunch of times tonight. We dominate against aces. Are we calling Sean Manaya the ace of the Oakland A's? Because if that's the case, then yes, I think we could win. Otherwise, I don't know. I'm curious to see who Rodriguez faces. I think we win two out of three here. And I think the Bassett start is the one that we end up having the issue with. Um, only because of his level of consistency. And again, depending on who we have in, in the uh in the lineup. Um Manaya had a no hitter against us, the first one in uh I think it was twenty five years, something like that. For you had to go back to like nineteen ninety four uh for the previous one. So he's a guy that kind of scares me. Um, 
but Richards is is pitching well, so I I don't know if Oakland's going to give a guy like Richards a lot of problems. I think we're definitely going to lose game one. I don't think Evaldi's gonna gonna have it. So um I'll go Red Sox two out of three, I guess, but I'm I'm not beaming with, with confidence. Yeah, I think I agree. I think I'd say Red Sox two out of three. Um I'm not sure if it's game one that they lose or if it's the Manaya game, but it's gonna be one of those two. Um yeah, it's it, o- Oakland's still a good team. It's weird, like I look at their lineup and I still kind of hate it. I just, I, I don't think that there's anything all that special there, but they win games. They, they, they figure it out. And, you know, Jed Lowry's having a career resurrection there all of a sudden, which is going to piss off a lot of Red Sox fans. Um, but yeah, I, I think they'll manage to squeak one out, but I still think the Red Sox will at least pull out two games in that series. But, J- but Jason, the Red Sox destroy starters. They destroy aces. Haven't you heard? Oh, that's right. Yeah, no, I, I forgot about that. Yeah, no, that's true. I can't wait for Bobby Dahlback to hit a meaningless home run in this series. Yeah, that, that'll be fun. That'll be in the TBD game. But we are uh, way over. So for the listening audience, we will be back on Thursday night. This is only a three-game set. So uh, Andrew, Job, and I will be back to cover it. And we just started a new show uh, that will be released every Saturday morning. It's called The Bastards Investigate, and that's an MLB-wide show covering hot topic MLB-wide issues. It's in the same feed, so you don't have to subscribe anywhere else. So that'll that'll pop up for you on uh, Saturday mornings if you want some MLB-wide content. Take care. <laughs>